The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Be relieved because we're talking about investing our time, which so happens to be our greatest resource if you actually think about time being a resource. And so um, I'm really excited to talk about it. We are, um, our slogan here is love God, love people, live like you mean it. And I really hope none of you are tired of hearing that because we're going to go out with that. We're going to say that until we all die. Love God, love people, live like we mean it. And so it's really cool because it's actually biblically based. And um, it's found in 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. And it says, <clears throat> and this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. So to believe in something, you have to love it. And so you believe in Jesus, you love him. Believe in Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded us. And so love God and love people and live like we mean it. And so when we're talking about investing our time into people and loving God, I think before we can even address any of that, before we can address what does it look like to love God and what does it look like to love people, we have to then realize who invested into us first? And over and over again in the Bible, we see about how God took the time to invest into us. There's this famous verse in Psalms where it says, he knit us together in our mother's womb. He knit us. Like, I've never knitted before, but I've seen people knit, and it looks very awfully time-consuming. And you're sitting there, and you're knitting, and God knew. He knew that when he created Amber that he was going to put in an artistic ability in her. He knew that when he created her, he was going to give her the gift to serve and to love and to pour out into other people. And he took the time. He took the energy and the thought to actually plan out each and every one of your life. He invested time into you. That was all done with love. And if you don't know and realize that today that he loves you and that he knows you, then you got to meet with Jesus today and you got to talk to him. Say, God, how did you create me? How did you plan out my life for me? What did you make me for? Because God has a plan. He knows it. He knows exactly why he created you. And that investment of time is so incredible. It has an eternal lasting perspective. And, um, <clears throat> and so now that we know, okay, God loves us, he loves you. He knows me. He sees me. What do we do with that? What do we do with the love that he's invested into us, the time that he took to plan out our every life, our every moment in of our life? What do we do with that? And the answer is pretty simple. We invest it into others. Um, I don't know if anybody here has ever received a large inheritance before. Anybody? Please raise your hand. I want to know. <laughs> I want to be your friend. Okay. <laughs> so when you receive a large inheritance, what do you do with it? Do you spend it all on one thing? You go on a huge vacation and you spend it all? Probably not. When you receive a large inheritance, you reinvest it. And so when God has invested his time and his love in us, what we do with that is we reinvest it. 
And that's what we do when we love people. We're reinvesting the love that God has given us into other people so that not for our own glory, not for, you know, so that we look amazing, but so that people can know Jesus, so that he can, the other people can experience God's love. And it's so amazing how it all works out because we are actually carriers of his love. And we choose to invest our time into other people because that's what he's called us to. And it says in 1 John 3.18, it says, uh, Children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And the actions and in truth, it all takes time. That's what we do. We spend time with people, loving people. And just like, you know, when our kids walk around, they're little deposits of us. They're little images of us. And I love it when people come up to me and they're like, oh my gosh, Maverick said and did this, or Leah May did this. And I think in my mind, I'm like, well, that's my kid. <laughs> I can see why. <laughs> Just the other day, we're at the park and I turn around and Leah May's inviting someone to church. And I'm like, well, that's my kid. And I, she invites more people than I do. <laughs> she's like, she's very evangelistic and it's amazing. And so it's just amazing that we get to be carriers of God's love. And we get to take his love with us. We get to deposit it into other people. And when we look at it that way, we, we try to manage our time and, and use our time to love people. And so who exactly are we called to love? Okay, people's a very, like, a broad statement. Okay, we're called to love all people. But if we look at who's in your life, you know, if you're a parent, if you're a single parent, foster, adoptive parent, um, spiritual parent, you're called to love your children. Your children are some of the most important people in your life, and God is calling you to love them, invest time with them, to play games with them, to have deep talks with them. God's calling us to spend time with our children. And I know that's a whole sermon in itself, but we can't just look over that because that's a very important piece. Because when we invest time in our children, we're not just investing into this one person. You're investing into a legacy. You're investing into children and their children and their children. And when you look at it with that perspective, it's incredible because it's like, okay, this day isn't just a, another boring, monotonous day. It's like, okay, I'm investing into someone's future and then their future and their kids. And it's incredible to know that, that God has given us a part of his creation to love and to cherish. And so love your kids, and our goal is not to control them. You can't control your kids. We just can't. We can't control what they do. We can't change the way they think. We can't um, change what they do, but we can point them to Jesus, and we can pray that they're going to follow after Jesus. Um, and then, of course, there's a lot of other people around you. Um, that we are to invest our time with. You know, there's people that we work with. There's people that we see in our neighborhood, at our church. We're called to invest time with them, spend time with people. And that takes love, that takes patience. Um, I remember when I used to work at a daycare and there was a single mom who worked there as well. And we became friends, you know, working as coworkers do. You hang out and talk during the day. Um, and she was, uh, she started out being a very, just very bitter person. She had a really rough life and she, um, 
she would come in. Some days would be good for her. Some days would not be so good for her. But I was always there just loving on her, encouraging her. I'd give her some gifts every once in a while. Uh, one time I invited her to our church to a single mother's thing. And then um, after that, I ended up quitting that job after two years and moving away to Oregon. And then about three years later, I show up at our church where we had been sent from. And I walk in the door to our church, and I see her. I see the lady that I had been loving on. And at first, I was very confused. I was like, why is she here? <laughs> and so I show up, and I go and talk to her. And I said, what are you doing here? And she proceeded to tell me that she gave her life to Jesus because she started attending that church. And not only did she start attending that church, but she then started running the single mom's ministry. And so because I invested that time of love into her, she ended up giving her life to Jesus. That is why we invest time into people. It's not for our own glory. It's because God gets the glory and he rejoices Anytime one sinner repents, anytime one person decides to give their life to Jesus, there's a party going in heaven. And that is what we're called to do. We're called to love people. And I think most of us would love when we're talking about investing. I don't know if people invest like cryptocurrency or anything in here, but we want to watch those numbers go and we want to go quickly, okay? We want to go to the moon. <laughs> And so uh, <laughs> we want a quick return. That's just how we work. We're like, okay, we want to invest our time now, and we want the return like now. And so that doesn't necessarily always work, especially when we're talking about people's hearts and lives. Um, it doesn't work like that. Um, sometimes it will be quick, like in my friend, you know, three years, that's a pretty quick return when we're talking about, you know, someone's heart and soul and eternal life. Um, but when we invest our time with love, we have to do it with consistency and just continued devotion. And I know that that sounds really good. You know, I was thinking about that this week. I was like, oh, that's such a nice word, God. It's so, it's just, it's just cute. Okay, you sound, it sounds really good. But what about when it hurts? What about loving someone through the pain? What about when there's a deep hurt in your own heart or in somebody else's life and situation? How do you love? How do you continue to invest time into someone, especially when it's taking so long? You say, you know what, God, I thought that I was supposed to see the return on this investment today. What's going on? How come this situation is where it's at? And I think that's called long-suffering and patience. And God's really good at doing that with us. And I think one of the greatest examples that God has shown us in creation is honestly through marriage. Um, if you think about marriage, it's, it's a great union. Um, but it's a revelation of God's love. And so in my marriage, I've seen the results of trusting in God and putting in the time and saying, putting in the time of loving God and loving my spouse um, and waiting patiently on the Lord. <clears throat> and investing time when it hurts is not easy at all. And most people who are in deep relationships know that. And I think that this might shock a lot of you guys but people are not perfect. I know, like, people are not perfect. And so I think it's just so funny when we put an expectation to think, to expect even just 
I mean, near perfection from people. And so I was thinking about that. I was actually talking with Andy about it a couple weeks ago. It's like, why do we get so bothered when someone's not perfect? It's like they're people. <laughs> that's what they're doing. That's what we're so not supposed to do, but that's just what happens. We mess up. We fail. Like, that's just what happens. That's who we are. We're, we're people. Not that we're trying to. But um, I remember when uh, Kyle, after three days of Kyle and I being married, it was awesome. It only took us three days to learn that we both weren't perfect people. <laughs> maybe some of you married couples had like a week, maybe two weeks. We had three days. <laughs> it was awesome, though. So we learned that we are not perfect at all. And love has to be patient. Love has to be patient and kind for us to um, and marriage does not perfect anybody in any circumstance. And so when we look at investing that um, time, we have to look at it being it's patient. It's long-suffering. Um, one real example in our marriage is that um, where I had to have patience, a lot of patience, and invest time, continual time, um, was when we were struggling with depression and anxiety. It had taken a huge toll on our life, and um, I know there's a lot of resources out there for people who struggle and with depression and anxiety, and we see that a lot. We see those words just kind of talked about a lot because it is a big deal, um, but what we don't necessarily see is a lot of resources for those walking with someone who suffers from depression and anxiety. And so that's why Kyle and I are going to write a book one day, and it's going to be his part on walking through depression and God healing him and my part of walking and investing time into someone else through a deep pain and deep hurt. And if you personally have ever had to walk through with a child or a spouse through depression, anxiety, and addiction, a pain. It is so difficult. Some days look good and some days look bad, but God is in it all, and he brings comfort when he needs to bring comfort. And so for me, in our marriage, when things were uncertain, when will this ever end? Like, God, you promised us joy. God, you promised our life to look differently than it looks right now. God, why is it not happening? This is where the investment of time comes in, where you're reading and you're praying and talking to God, and you're loving on the people that are around you. And I had two options, and a lot of us do. We can't say, oh, I only have one option, because we technically have two options. My first option was to give in to the fear, give in to hopelessness, get bitter. I could just give up. <clears throat> Or I could cling to the hope that I have in Jesus. I could cling to his hope and I could press on, continue to invest time, even though I'm not seeing anything happen right now. I could continue to do that. And I would encourage you today, if you're thinking about giving up today on your kids, on your parents, on your spouse, to just to not give up. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Because God has such a plan for your life. I know it sounds so cliche saying that, but God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your kid's life. He has a plan for your spouse. He has a future and a plan for you. Continue investing time no matter what it looks like today, no matter how much pain you are in, because it's worth it. And sometimes I thought during all of this, I thought, 
God's just supposed to just take it all away. Doesn't he want me to be comfortable? Doesn't he want me not to be in pain? And I, but the purpose, there's so much purpose in the pain. There's so much purpose in walking through that. And God has a perfect timing for you because I stand here today as a testimony that God, <clears throat> that, that when you choose to invest your time and not give up, that God will bring you a great reward. That the return on your investment is coming. Just continue. Continue going. Continue believing. Continue trusting God. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. We will get a return on our investment if we don't give up, if we don't lose hope, if you don't give up, you will see that return. Trust in the Lord because he is so faithful. When we put the time in to love those in our lives, God is the one who can change hearts. He's the one who's able and capable to change hearts and minds. I can't do it. I couldn't do it for my kids. I couldn't do it for my husband. God's the only one who can miraculously come down and change someone's circumstance and someone's heart and someone's life. We're not able to do that, and I'm so glad that I'm not able to do that. But what we are able to do is we're able to be active participants. We're able to be vessels. We're able to be carriers of God's love. And that takes patience because it's not on our time. It's on God's time. So you are a carrier today of God's love. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, you take his love with you. And there's such a good example of this in the Bible. Um, there's the story of Hagar. And I don't know, uh, she's not, I mean, she's uh, kind of famous. But Abraham is actually more famous. There's a lot of us who have heard of Abraham because he's just um, very well known and talked about throughout the Bible. Um, and so Abraham was called by God to be a father of many nations. He was going to have all these kids. Um, but he started getting really old, and he started not having kids. He was like 75 and still had no kids. And so he, him and his wife started to become impatient. And they knew, they knew, okay, we know what the promise is. We're supposed to have kids, but we're not having kids. And so what they decided to do is after they were impatient, they said, you know what? We're going to have to take the matters into our own hands. And how many of us know that always works out well? When we say, you know what, God, you're taking too long. I'm going to start to uh, do things on my own. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we just take it into our own hands because we think God wants us to. Okay, God, like maybe you want me to just do this. Maybe you think I'd be better at this, which is not correct. So this is what Abraham decided to do. Abraham and his wife decided, well, we're not having kids, so let's make something happen. So they get their slave uh, mistress lady, and they decide that she's going to now have the baby, the chosen child. And I don't know, if you really like kind of think this through, it's like how our family reunion's going to work. Like, what were they thinking? Like, they're, they're thinking she's going to have the son and everyone's going to be happy and it's just going to be amazing. No, they didn't think it through. And because their 
promise wasn't coming true, they were so blind to the fact of just like pure wisdom, like that's not a good idea. And so um, it was, they were so consumed by making it happen and taking control that they just forgot like, I don't know, that's like common sense, that's just not going to work. And so they decide to have, let's um, Hagar have the baby. And so she gets pregnant, and then after that, it starts really going downhill. And Sarah, um, Abraham's wife, starts mistreating her. And Hagar starts despising them, and it just comes up with a lot of bitterness and tension, and everybody's mad at each other. And so we're going to pick up the story here in um, Genesis 16, verse 7. So... Um, Right before that, um, Abraham decides to banish Hagar. So he kicks Hagar out. She's now pregnant with his son. He kicks her out and sends her into the desert, and then that's it. Just lets her die. That's the plan. And so um, this is where it says in verse 7. It says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? So Sarah, or I'm sorry, Hagar left pain. She left where it was hurting and where she was depressed and hopeless. She left that to, and just fleed and went somewhere else. She went to the desert. And she said, I'm running away from my mistress, she answered. And then this is what the angel of the Lord told her. This is what God's response to her was. It says, go back to your mistress, and submit to her. God's word was to her was to go back, go back to the pain. I find that so odd. Why would God send her back to where it was painful and uncomfortable? Go back to where it hurts. Go back and endure. Put in the time. Put in the patience. Continue to be there to love the people that you're around, even though they've hurt you, even though you're so hurt. Continue to love them. And do you know why? This is what it says. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. If she would have not gone back, she would not have had all these children. Her and her son would have died there in the desert. But she decided to go back and to invest that time to say, you know what, God, I believe you. I trust your plan. I'm going to go back even though it hurts. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to continue, I'm going to continue to love you. I'm going to continue to love the people around me, even though it hurts. And God sees you. He sees you in the pain that you're in. He sees you where loving people can be difficult. He knows all of that. He loves us. He invested into us. He knows exactly what you're going through. Because he's had to love us and long suffer and be patient with us. And it's worth it. The internal return on your investment is worth it. It's so amazing to know that it's not just about what our lives look like today and tomorrow, but we have eternity to realize and think about, is that we have heaven to focus on, where things are perfect, where there is no pain in relationships, there is no pain in our bodies. God is there. When you trust God to bring about the change, you'll be thankful that he did it his way and you didn't do it your way. Because like Hagar, if, you, if she would have done it her way, there would be no future for her. There would be no descendants. There would be no legacy for her. 
And I think that the same applies for us, that if we just do what God wants us to do, if we do it his way, we don't try to take control, and we continue to invest our time, then we're going to be so appreciative of that because it's so much more worth it. Even waiting, even having to wait on God's timing and plan is worth it. It's better than having to endure it, doing it our own way. It says in Isaiah, uh, it says verse in chapter 40, verse 31, it says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And that is just, that's God letting us know that there's still hope. There's still hope when you continue to press in and to love people and to love him. There's hope and there's no wasted time. There's no wasted time in investing into others and into God. So I'm just going to pray and we're going to end. God, I thank you so much for just the hope that you've given us. God, I thank you, God, that you've never given up on us, Jesus. God, that's such a, an example to us, God, not to give up on you, not to give up on other people in our life, God, even when it hurts, Jesus. God, I pray that it, for people that are struggling today to love people around them, God, I pray that you would fill them up with your strength, God. You'd fill them up with your courage, God, to be able to continue investing time and love into people around them, God. And I thank you, God, that it's not about our gain. It's not about what, how we look or our comfort, God, but it's about your glory and it's about your kingdom, God. It's about what happens for you, Jesus. So, God, I just thank you so much for every person in here. In your name, amen. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.